Hey, word nerds, how's everybody doing today? I am recording this on uh, what was it? December nineteenth, six fifty-eight a.m. Ooh-wee. we're gonna have fun today with a whole bunch of words that I don't know. I know one of them. Maybe I know another one, but no, it's a lot of words I don't know. Uh, let's see. Okay, let's just get into them. The first word is episode. E-P-A-Z-O-T-E. Episode. Oh, good thing it's spelled just like it sounds. Noun from 1946. Episode. The synonym is wormweed. Um, oh, sorry, wormwood B. It's the B definition for wormwood. But also, the fresh or dried, pungent-smelling leaves of worm seed used especially in Mexican cooking. So this is some sort of plant thing uh, that has leaves that smell... Oh, oh, they smell so pungent. And they could be either fresh or dried, it's called worm seed, also called episote. And the name episote is Mexican Spanish. That's what it says. It's not Spanish Spanish. It's not Argentinian Spanish. It's Mexican Spanish. From the Nahuatl word episotl. Uh, but it doesn't say what that means, so I assume that's just their name for this plant. Worm seed that we call here in English. Uh, yeah, maybe uh, maybe I should post a picture on the social media of this episode slash worm seed uh, so you can see what it is. Uh, it's at DictionaryPod on uh, Instagram, Facebook, X, Twitter, that thing, threads. That's all I can do with the social media. Okay, my sound effect today is going to be because our next word is pronounced either Epe or ape, emphasize either syllable, epe or ape, spelled E P E E, but there's three E's in four letters, uh, and the first two E's have the accents that go boop down on the left, up on the right. Ape, no, that's one word, ape or epe. This is a noun from 1889. One, a fencing or dueling sword having a bowl-shaped guard and a rigid blade of triangular section with no cutting edge that tapers to a sharp point blunted for fencing. Compare to, uh, let's see, the number one definition for the fifth form of the word foil, F-O-I-L, and then also the synonym uh, the word saber, S-A-B-E-R. Um, this word, epe, you often find in crossword puzzles because there's so many vowels, and it's it's just a good one to put in there when you got a bunch of E's in one area. Um, so yes, there was a lot of information there with that first definition. 
it's a sword. It's a type of sword, but very specifically, uh, there's actually a picture. So let's talk about what this looks like. Uh, there's the the hilt, the handle where you hold it from, and then there is a bowl-shaped metal piece above that uh, to help uh, you know guard your fingers and knuckles from getting hit. So that's a very important part, a bowl-shaped guard. Uh, it's a rigid blade, so it's not flexible. Like some blades are flexible, they bend. This one is rigid, uh, I guess. Uh, it has a triangular section with no cutting a edge, um, which I guess just means that the that the blade itself is uh, when you were if you were to look at it from the point down down towards the handle, it would be the shape of a triangle. So there's no edge of it that's sharper or pointier than another edge. Um, it tapers to a sharp point. So if it weren't for fencing practicing, there would be a sharp point at the end. But because we're using this for fencing and practice and sport and things, we don't want to actually stab anybody. Uh, it ha It's blunted. So the, the end of it is is not very sharp. But it would probably hurt if you got stabbed with it. You could probably still do some damage. Uh, what did I see recently? Wednesday. Wednesday had some fencing. They probably were using these epes. Um, what other examples? We see fencing in lots of movies. Princess Bride. I mean, you know, they're not using epes because they're doing some actual fencing. You know, the characters are doing some actual fencing, but the the actors might be using something like this. Well, number two for epe is the art or sport of fencing with the epée. Uh, so I, you just, you, we, let's go do some epéeing. Let's go, let's go play the epée with our epées. Let's go. I never did. It looks pretty fun. It does look fun. You gotta, you gotta block. You gotta parry. You gotta, you gotta avoid the slishes and the slashes from your opponent, and you gotta be very fast. This, you watch this, this is very fast. They they go, doo, 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 boom. oh, I got a point. I got a point. It's so fast, I can't even see what happens. Uh, this word is French, if you couldn't tell, from the Latin spatha. Spatha. I mean, it doesn't say what that is, but I'm guessing that's just the word for this sword. Okay, now that's the end of that word. Next is epeist. I think that's how you would say it. Epeist or apeist. So it's the same word, epe, but we have I-S-T at the end. This is a noun from 1910. One who fences with an epe is an epeist. Or maybe just a stabber, a swordist, a saberist, a foilist. Any one of those words totally exists. Um, we just last night finished watching um, our, a rewatch of Ted Lasso. We finished the finale last night, and in the one of the one of the two last episodes, um, there is a character who finally, officially goes by Zorro, and of course Zorro fought with a sword. I don't know what else he did. I think that's maybe that's all he had. He just had a sword, and he went. Next word is epirogeny. Epirogeny, spelled E-P-E-I-R-O-G-E-N-Y. 
epirogeny, noun from 1890, the deformation of the Earth's crust by which the broader features of relief are produced. Okay, so the Earth's crust is getting deformed. The broader features of relief are produced. So, I mean, I just think that that would mean like the mountains and the valleys and the canyons, those types of things. When the tectonic plates are moving, that's going to create... Uh, the, the mountains, I think, when they're going together, they push they push the, the rock up into these mountains. Um, is that what this is talking about? Epirogeny? Uh, epirogenic. Epirogenic. There we go. Epirogenic is an adjective. Uh, epirogenetically? No, that's not the word. Epirogenic. Genetic, genetically. <laughs> they don't show the whole pronunciation, which is very frustrating. Epirogenically, that's an adverb. Those mountains were made epirogenically. Um, so I guess it's just the act of the 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 crust changing its shape. Maybe, uh, maybe we need to put a link in the show notes for. Epirogeny. This word is from the Greek epiros or epiros, which means mainland or continent. And then the suffix geni, G-E-N-Y. So yeah, it's something about the the continents, the the crust, all that stuff moving around. Here we go with, uh, how do you say this? Epenthesis. Epenthesis, E-P-E-N-T-H-E-S-I-S, noun from 1543. The insertion or development of a sound or letter in the body of a word. Okay, and it gives us an example. This is great. I love this. Okay, the uh, the uh sound in athlete athlete uh that's the word athlete but i don't ever i i i just say athlete there's no a sound so if you were to say athlete if you were to change it to three syllables you would have done an epenthesis because you would have inserted the sound um or a letter into the body of a word Hmm. I wonder, is it so? You're, is it like um, you're changing it? Is the, the, does this only happen when you're changing the sound of a word that's different than how it's normally normally said? It doesn't say that, but if you're adding a sound or changing a sound or a letter in a word, that's epenthesis. I guess. Um, and it's, I'm getting warm in here, so I got to take off my jacket. Because um, I was so cold. It's like 19 degrees outside, and this is ridiculous. Um, epenthetic. Epenthetic. That is an adjective. Um, and this word is from the Greek. Epen, epentithenai. Epentithenai. Uh, and that just literally means to insert a letter. 
to insert a letter. And that, if we break it down even more, that is from the epi prefix plus the n prefix, or no, plus antithani, that word means to put in. So you're putting the thing in. Uh, and then that word is broken down further to n plus tithani. And tithani means to put. So to put, and then it becomes to put in when you put the n in front of it. And then when you put the epi at the front of that, that means to insert a letter. So epi, that prefix epi, must be related to letters. But we haven't seen, oh, we haven't actually gotten to epi yet. Um, that's going to be in the next episode. There is the epi prefix there. So we'll see if we find anything about letters there. Epenthesis, adding a sound, putting in a letter, all those things. Here we go with epern or Apern. So the first uh, first syllable is pronounced i or a, and then the second syllable is always emphasized pern. Pern? Pern. Epern. E-P-E-R-G-N-E. Yes, this word is spelled not how you might think. It's French, of course. Epern. It is a noun from 1754, an often ornate tiered centerpiece consisting typically of a frame of wrought metal like silver or gold bearing dishes vases or candle holders or a combination of these okay uh tier, it's a centerpiece that's the that's the important part and it's probably made of metal silver or gold but it could also it's it's created from a variety of dishes, vases or vases, candle holders, either either one set of those or all of them, a mixture of them. That's a very odd centerpiece, don't you think? I think. No, I kind of I kind of just want to check myself right now. I mean, we might need to put a picture on social media for this Epern. Um for this Epern, oh yeah, there we go. Yes, this is this is some very very fancy centerpieces. I'm seeing glass also, uh, silver, gold, maybe bronze, and uh, yeah, it's like a candlestick, but also it's got bowls, and you know, there's tons and tons of different kinds and vases, and it's all. It's just it's just a crazy fun centerpiece and you I don't what what you could probably put candles in there but you could probably also put other stuff in these bowls and stuff um beautiful beautiful work really um fascinating yeah I want to put some of these on social media uh oh and this word is from the French epargne spelled a little bit differently and that word means saving so what is it like you're saving all of your dishes and vases and candlestick holders and you're just you're like I don't want to get rid of them so I'm just going to put them put them in the center of the table and make it a centerpiece. Next is epexegesis. Epexegesis. Uh E P E X E G E S I S. Epexegesis. Noun from circa 1577, 
additional explanation or explanatory matter. So you're, if you're expounding on something, here we go. I'm literally doing apexegesis while I'm talking about apexegesis. You're just additional explanation or explanatory matter. That's all it is. Just more information, please. Please, can you expegesis that? I don't think that's how we use it in context. But we do have some other forms of the word. Epexegetical or apexegetic, those are adjectives. And apexegetically is an adverb. Oh, and Spencer did that additional explanation. He did it expegetically. Mm-hmm. This word is from Greek epexegesis, which looks like the same word. That is from epi, the epi prefix, plus exegesis, exegesis. I don't know how the Greeks pronounce that. And that word just means exegesis, which we will see in the EX section. Something about explanations. And maybe if epi is related to words somehow, then uh, it's, it's adding words to the thing that's already there. I guess, maybe? Epexegesis, yeah! Here we go now. Uh, oh, so that was the end of the EPE section. Here we go with the EPH section. There's no, there's nothing between the E and the H. We go straight to EPH. So this one is, I, you'd probably pronounce it F, spelled EPH with a capital E, or you could spell it E-P-H-E-S, because this is an abbreviation for Ephesians, and I think that's going to be in the next episode, Ephesians, that's how you really say it, Ephesians, because I just looked at the pronunciation. So F or F's or F's is an abbreviation for Ephesians, which we will learn about in the next episode. Next, we have Ifa. Now, you can also just say it Effa. Ifa, Effa, spelled E P H A H. Ifa, I will say Ifa. Noun from 1611. This is an ancient Hebrew unit of dry measure equal to one tenth Homer or a little over a bushel. It's just a little bit over a bushel. Or you take Homer Simpson and you take one-tenth of his dry weight, I think. Yes, probably his dry weight. Now, it doesn't literally say what sort of measurement it is. It just says it's ancient. It's from the Hebrews or Hebrew language or the Hebrew people. Uh, dry measure. Dry, dry measure equal to one-tenth of a homer or little over, but now bushel, that makes me think of volume. So maybe it's a volume thing, an ephah. And, and what, what is a homer? Of course, I think of Homer Simpson, but I don't think we're taking one-tenth of Homer Simpson. I don't know. Maybe, maybe one-tenth of homer would be about a bushel. Uh, this word is from Hebrew ephah, from Egyptian... Now, I don't know how to say this word. It's spelled apostrophe P-T. Apostrophe P-T, to me, just looks like... That's how I would say it. But I don't know how the Egyptians say that word. 
And it is ephah, and it's just a unit of measure of probably volume, but also possibly weight. Not sure. Next is Ephib. Ephib or uh, where did it go? Ephib. You can emphasize either one. Ephib. It is spelled E-P-H-E-B-E. Ephib. I think that's how I say it. I've never said this word before. Noun from 1880. The synonym is uh, Ephibus. Ephibus. That's coming up here in this this, uh, episode. Uh, But it is also a young man. And another synonym is the word youth. So it's a, a, a kid, but maybe specifically a young man. Um, Ephib, Ephib, Ephib or Ephib, also known as Ephibus. I wonder if that's related to fetus at all, F-E-T-U-S. Uh, the etymology doesn't give much. It's just from the Latin word Ephibus or Ephibus. I think they would have pronounced it Ephibus. Mm, but it doesn't we we're not at that word yet so we can't talk about it but what we are going to talk about looks related and it is ephibic with an ic at the end adjective from 1865 of relating to or characteristic of an ephib or ephib or ephibus which is our next word I'm slicing you with my epe. Here we go with a Phoebus. Noun from 1627. Uh, and yes, the plural would be ephibi. Yes, ephibi, because the U.S. Uh, is singular and the I is plural. This is a youth of ancient Greece, especially an Athenian 18 or 19 years old in training for full citizenship. I don't know if I would call an 18 or 19-year-old a youth. I mean, compared to me, I'm 43. Then yes, they are definitely a youth. But, you know, they're like they're like a young adult. Youth to me is like below 18. Excuse me while I drink some throat coat tea. That's still quite hot. Uh, so... It's, an, it's a youth in ancient Greece, but often this Athenian, 18 or 19 years old, training for full citizenship. Why are they not already a citizen? How do you train? Do you have to study the Constitution? This word is Greek, aphibos, from epi, plus hebe, which means youth or puberty. And then I don't know what it turns into when you add the epi in front of it. I don't know. I guess we'll have to find out in the next episode. Next is, I don't know if this is related, we have ephedra or ephedra. You can emphasize either the first or the second syllable. E-P-H-E-D-R-A. Noun from 1889, circa 1889, in fact. Number one, any of a genus of jointed, nearly leafless shrubs of dry or desert regions 
with the leaves reduced to scales at the nodes. So I guess when um, at the places where the leaves come out of the stick, <laughs> the branch, um, they're they're just like little scales. You can't call them leaves. They're just like maybe real close to the stick, and they're very tiny, maybe. Um, and then and then they become leaves. After that, uh, they're jointed, nearly leafless shrubs. But they're all oh, so maybe. Maybe that's what the leaves are. They're just the scales. They're they're, they're it's essentially leafless, other than these little scales. Uh, drier desert regions. Uh, yeah, they are from the genus Ephedra, of the family Ephedraceae. And maybe we should post a picture on social media of this specific kind of Ephedra. But we have more Ephedra. In fact, here's more Ephedra. Number two. An extract of Ma Huang, that looks Asian, an Asian word or phrase, Ma Huang, uh, containing ephedrine and related alkaloids and used as a dietary supplement. And now I feel like I should look up Ma Huang. Uh, it's two words, by the way. Uh, to see, well, well so I'm seeing a plant. I'm seeing a plant. Let's go to all, not just images. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just called ephedra, native to Mongolia, Russia, and northeastern China. Uh, yeah, so, so that's what it is. Um, so it, it looks probably, yes, ephedra, also called mahuang, is an herb that has been used in traditional Chinese medicine for more than 5,000 years. So this looks like it's probably very similar to the number one definition but the reason it's got its own thing is because this is the extract of this plant. Uh, uh, the extract, and it contains ephedrine, which looks like this is where we get the name ephedrine from. And it's related to alkaloids and used as a dietary supplement. So dietary how? I don't know. Is it you want to lose weight, gain weight, or you're having stomach issues, maybe makes your tummy feel better? Could be a variety of reasons, but they've been using it for more than 5,000 years. This is one of those plant, medicinal plant things where I think I think most of our uh, medicine should probably come from plants. They often do come from plants, but then they get pharmacologically changed into these drugs uh, that are made in labs. Uh, but this is one of these naturally occurring things that can help your body. Okay, ephedra. Um, this word, it's just from the genus name, from the Latin equisitum, which is from the Greek ephedros, which means sitting upon. Sitting upon what? Your throne? Your toilet? Um, interesting that it means sitting upon. Mm, maybe if it's a dietary supplement, maybe you were sitting on the toilet. That was the problem. And then maybe this would help you. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I have not read up on how this this helps you. I'm just guessing. Uh, and this word, ephedros, is from the epi prefix plus hedra, which means seat. And there's more at the word sit. So somehow it's related to sitting down. Fascinating. Uh, yeah, maybe I'll put a link in the show notes for, you know, some of the stuff that I'm seeing here. And then maybe also like... Why do we use this? 
But maybe this next and last word is going to help a little bit because it is ephedrine. E-P-H-E-D-R-I-N-E. And the, uh, the British say ephedrine. Ephedrine. Noun from 1889, uh, same year that we got ephedra in English. This is a crystalline sympathomimetic alkaloid, C10H15NO, extracted from Chinese ephedras or synthesized and usually used in the form of a salt, especially as a bronchodilator and decongestant. Decongestant. Bronchodilator means it's going to help your lungs. It's going to dilate, maybe make it easier to breathe. Decongestant, maybe your sinuses are all, your sinuses are all clogged up and you need some ephedra. So it's going to open everything up. I've heard of ephedrine. I wouldn't have been able to tell you what it is. You see it on the drug boxes. Uh, so it's a decongestant. I'll try to remember that. <laughs> ah, messed up my nose. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. It doesn't have anything to do with sitting down. Still confused about that. Prah, not helpful at all. All right, let's pick a word of the episode. We had today, episode, uh, that's worm seed, epe, epeist, epirogeny, epenthesis. They're all different. I got to look at the pronunciation every time. Epern, epexegesis, f, epha, ephib, ephibic, ephibus, ephedra, and ephedrine. Well, I think I need to pick apexegesis. E-P-E-X-E-G-E-S-I-S. Unless you want to respell it. Apexegesis, because it's all about just adding additional explanation, and that is what I like to do when I can. If I... I just like to mansplain. That's what it is. I just want to explain things to you. Even though you might know it, I'm just going to explain it to you. Uh, but no, sometimes... You know, the, the book doesn't give much of a definition, and you might not know what it is, so I'm just going to add some more. Apexegesis. Apexegesis is a fun word to say. It's all about explaining things to the other people. Yeah, apexegesis. Um, that's, that's the end of the words. If you don't know, my name is Spencer, and at the end of the word part of these episodes, I like to talk about a movie or two that I have seen. I'm just going in order, just going in order from when I watched them. It's real quick, and uh, had to bring up a list and see where we left off. Uh, okay, where I left off is with a movie called After Death, and it is about NDEs. It's a documentary about NDEs, which are near-death experiences, which I have always found as a fascinating, fascinating topic. Um... There are some interesting interviews and stories uh, from the people in the documentary. But this is my own personal gripe, um, and not everybody's going to feel the same way, but some people will. It It's made by a production company that seems very religious, and I am personally not a religious person. Uh, I'm much more spiritual than religious, and so it was a little frustrating to me that this 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 
very interesting spiritual but also scientific thing is getting put into this religious bucket and I feel like we can open it up to people who are not this specific type of religion and open it up to every because everybody can experience this so anyway that was my only thing with that movie um afterwards uh recently in the, i think early december 2023 uh Allie ward on her podcast ologies had an episode about ndes she interviewed somebody who studies this stuff and so that is a much more scientific place to get some information on this um, and he actually was offered to be interviewed for the documentary, but declined because it wasn't scientific enough. Um, I will say that the majority of the documentary is not very religious, but by the end, that's when they get into that area. So, you know, up to you if you want to see. It's called After Death. Uh, and then we watch Priscilla, and this is the movie about Priscilla Presley, and it's her story of sort of her and her relationship with Elvis, where she met him, how old she was. Oh, she was so young. Uh, and then and just her her time with him and what that was like. And so it's really just a lot of scenes with the two of them interacting. Um, she has very few lines. Um, Elvis talks a lot and she doesn't. Uh, and it's based off of her book, her actual memoir, uh, and so I assume it's fairly accurate. I don't know much. I've never read the book or anything. Um, but yeah, it's a very sort of, I don't know if meditative is quite the right word, but it's just like just a bunch of scenes uh, from their life. And it's really interesting to see that side of of him specifically, because he's so much more in the limelight, uh, but you know, just the two of them and their relationship. And to see how sort of she changes throughout that time, too. Okay, that's the end of this episode. Thank you very much for listening. You can watch this on YouTube at Speed Jampar. Go look it up. Go find me. Go subscribe to me. Watch my face. And until next time, this is Spencer dispensing information. Woo, woo, woo.